Welcome to Primal Screen. This is your host, Nick Greystone. For the next hour, we're going to talk about fantasy, reality, and everything in between. Let's go. Oh, oh, hi. Uh, Tony, how come you didn't tell me? Fucking pervert. What up, what up, kitty kitties? Primal Scream is live. Nick Greystone. Uh, I'm sorry, I was uh, just uh, making sure my mic worked. And I was winding my watch. Um, it is 9 o'clock on Thursday. <laughs> it was the toe clippings. That's right. Uh, <laughs> how's everyone doing? I'm doing excellent. Uh, I have so much to talk about. I got to get into that right now. Um, but first and foremost, tomorrow is Veterans Day. So I'd like to uh, wish everyone a happy Veterans Day, especially those who... Uh, Served in the armed forces and um, did the right thing by the country, if you will. So uh, thank you for your service. Um, yeah, so lots of crazy uh, things have developed in the uh, the true crime aspect of uh, Long Island. And I'd like to get really into that right now. I'm going to start off with a story that has kind of been... It's blowing my mind. It was yesterday a smash and grab at Roosevelt Field uh, Mall. So somebody at 11.30 in the morning on a Wednesday went into Macy's, smashed one of the um, display cases, and stole $30,000 worth of jewelry. Now... This robbery is the latest of a long string of crimes at Roosevelt Field, and it's including a similar one in, uh, at the same Macy's in August. But that suspect was arrested in charge. Now, let's just take it a step back. I don't know if, you know, there might be some viewers here that are not familiar with Roosevelt Field. Uh, my Long Island peeps know what Roosevelt Field is, know what Macy's looks like. Now, this is not like a storefront where it's like off the street. You could run in, smash something, grab it, run out, and you're on the street within 0.2 seconds. It's in the fucking mall. And it's in the middle of the mall, like the the middle of Macy's. So, like, this person, especially in this day and age where everything is filmed, people have cameras on their phones, fucking cameras all over the mall all over the stores, like, how the hell would this person think that they're going to get away with it? Like, they still haven't caught him, and um, a spokesperson for the mall's operating um, surveillance team, Simon Property Group, says they have a commitment to security. Uh, it's probably similar to the Raiders' commitment to excellence because <laughs> I just don't see, like, Commitment to security, dude, and you're not on top of this? They say they have safety measures that include 24-7 trained security personnel, a canine handler, and a police substation. Um, you know, I'm not making light of it, and I'm not trying to diss Simon Property Group. I'm sure they have a, a very great program, but how the fuck are you going to let someone get away with smashing uh a case in the middle of Macy's where I'm thinking that the closest exit out of there is a good 20, 25 seconds, even 30 seconds, 45. If you're a fat fuck, you know, maybe a minute, like that's a long way to get out, you know? So, uh, if anybody has any like tips or anything, detectives are requesting information at 1-800-244-TIPS. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of the number I used to call, one eight seven seven zero six nine tits, but that was a different type of uh, hotline. <laughs> I'm on a roll today. I don't know why I'm so horny, but oh wait, no, I was just winding my watch. So, <laughs> moving right along. Um, so last week, uh, I didn't talk about it, but um, news broke that Rodney Harrison, that is the police commissioner of Suffolk County, was stepping down. Uh, in as of December, now Suffolk County is getting a new county executive, and he's not sticking around for the new regime. Uh, he's of course is responsible for starting the task force that's um, that was able to get a suspect and a possible fall guy to this whole Gilgo Beach murder. Uh, 
Um, we're going to see what happens and who will replace him. Now, what I'm thinking is Rodney Harrison, if he came out after 13 years of this case being cold and he gets a suspect in a year, um, that's definitely bragging rights. I don't think that he's into the politics of it all, which it seems like a very political crew that is within the force or deals with people outside the force. But I just don't think that this is the guy that they want. And probably it's much easier for him just to walk away at this point, which is what he did. But I think now that this case could possibly take a big major step back. I mean, you know, we do have a suspect. He's getting ready to go up for trial. You know, they said they have all this amount, massive amounts of uh, evidence against him. Um, it almost looks like it's going to be served on a silver platter. So maybe, you know, like Rodney Harrison sticking around and getting the accolades for another year or so. But who the fuck knows what's going to happen once this case starts? It could be thrown out. It could be, you know, blown up. But in any case, he did step down, and uh, being the armchair detective that I am, I just don't think that uh, Rodney Harrison and the Suffolk County Police and the political new regime that's coming in, I don't think they all see eye to eye. So probably, like I said, for the less headaches that he's going to deal with, he's going to step down and uh, enjoy his time, you know. Because, you know, maybe he's at the time right now where he can walk away. He, you know, he, he put his time in and, you know, maybe doesn't want to work until uh, he's an old man, you know, 20 years and out. Maybe that's what it is, too. You never know. But, you know, thank you, Rodney Harrison, for uh, bringing attention to a case that uh, should have been dealt with a long time ago. Um, and we'll see uh, the outcome as it uh, unfolds. You know, I've been following it and... Uh, Really hasn't been uh, much talk. Uh, Tony was telling me that uh, that Rex's wife is going to start her own podcast. So uh, who knows? Maybe she'll come to Governors. Asa, you can be my co-host. Come on down. Be great. We'll shoot the shit every day. You got 275 guns in the house. We could definitely shoot the shit. <laughs> so uh, I don't know why I'm such a jittery, funny, stupid bastard tonight, but uh, I just am. That's how I am today. Whatever. I hope you guys like it. I like it. So another uh, attachment to the uh, Long Island uh, serial killer case, Chris Loeb. Uh, Chris Loeb now, he is the uh, gentleman that broke into James Burke's SUV and stole the bag that he claims where he found a possible snuff film and some sex toys. And then James Burke beat him with an inch of his life. And that's what started, like, this whole thing of Burke getting thrown out, eventually, you know, getting uh, thrown out of the police force, arrested, doing prison time. So uh, Chris Loeb uh, was arrested, um, I believe, on the 22nd of October for assault, unlawful imprisonment, and criminal obstruction. He's already been in court twice. Both court appearances were adjourned on the 22nd and on the 6th of November. Uh, an order of protection was in place. They don't mention uh, the victim that the, the crime was put against. And he's due back in court um, in uh, December, December 13th. Um, yeah, that's just another, you know, he's linked to the serial killer thing because at one point... Um, he was never named a suspect, but uh, I guess by uh, the armchair detectives of the world and uh, the uh, people that make assumptions, James Burke was um, connected in some way. They think that possibly he was part of the uh, the Oak Beach orgy scene where uh, supposedly what goes in Oak Beach stays in Oak Beach. It's a very small-knit community, lots of high-profile uh, attorneys. Uh, police, uh, all lawyers and doctors. I even heard that uh, Piers Morgan has uh, relatives that are in Oak Beach, so I'm sure they're having fancy parties. And uh, some of those parties got blown up 
uh, and that was because of uh, the disappearance of Shannon Gilbert, you know. And uh, again, that poor girl. I don't think there's ever going to be justice because she stepped into Oak Beach, and I think she saw something that she wasn't supposed to, and that's what started this whole um, Long Island serial killer Gilgo thing, you know. Once she went missing and they were looking for her, and they found all those other bodies. So just another uh, another fun day on the, uh, the Long Island uh, serial killer and true crime scene, and I wanted to bring it all to you. Um, moving right along now, um, they were, the Reaper came a-knocking this week, and there were uh, two uh, people that passed away, which were people part of my life um, in the entertainment world that uh, I'd like to talk about. So the first guy, Pat E. Johnson. Now, many of you don't know who that name is, but if you look at the picture that I'm putting up right now, yes, he is the referee that was in the movie The Karate Kid. He was part of that um, stunt coordination for the first three films. And, uh, you know, he's like a... A very decorated, he was a very decorated black belt. I believe he was a ninth degree black belt uh, in the American Tang Sudo, and he was a president of the National Tang Sudo Congress, which was originally created by Chuck Norris in 1973. Um, like I said, you know, he was a stuntman and a choreographer for the first three Karate Kid movies, aka the ones, the good ones. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he was also involved in the original one of that, and he was also involved in the original Mortal Kombat. Now, say what you will about those films. Yeah, they have those 80s, late 80s and 90s cheese, but you can't deny the fact that there was some pretty awesome uh, choreography and stunt moves, and this was the man that was uh, you know, responsible for bringing that. He died at the age of 84, so... Uh, Pat E. Johnson, rest in peace. Um, I respect the hell out of you, sir. Uh, thank you. The next guy that passed away is Michael Maglieri. Uh, he was the owner of the Whiskey Go-Go and the Rainbow, um, the famous clubs in Hollywood that started the, uh, the careers of a lot of bands. Uh, the Doors, Janis Joplin, Van Halen, Metallica. Motley Crue, and Demon Scar. Demon Scar played at the Whiskey last uh, last December, and we had the time of our lives because it was like always a lifelong dream to play this infamous club that I've always heard about. Um, I've heard awesome stories, and even going there, you feel the energy. You see plaster on the walls. You know, you go down to the Rainbow, and there's pitches all over. And honestly. I was at the Rainbow for the five nights that I was there. I was at the Rainbow four of the five nights. And I was just, one of the nights, I was just walking around all night, just looking at the pictures and the history of it. And it's so amazing, like the faces and the parties that went on there. Just off the top of my head, I was thinking about a picture of, uh, it was like Pee Wee Herman, David Lee Roth, and like Elvira. It was just like such random people that would hang out there, but... You know, Michael uh, took over the club for his dad, uh, Mario Maglieri, and he died in uh, May of uh, 2017. And um, he seemed like a, a very uh, well-liked guy. Um, you know, I follow a lot of people that are involved with the club because I made some contacts when I was down there, and they, no one really had anything negative to say about him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, and he did treat my band very well, you know, his his uh, his workers and stuff. So uh, rest in peace, Michael. Uh, thank you for continuing the legacy of the whiskey. And uh, thank you for your hospitality uh, for my band. We do we did appreciate that. And, uh, you know, hopefully the, uh, the, the club continues, and I believe it will. You know, it, it has that history. And I, I, I'd love to have the opportunity to go back and play there again. So, um, again, thank you, Michael, and uh, rest in peace. Um, moving right along, uh, the principal photography for Sweet Meats has wrapped. Um, we're getting a lot of cool 
press right now. Rube Morgue just put out an article. They actually made some um, character posters for uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky Glore. He's the uh, director and uh, some of the cast. And, uh, yeah, it's it's going really well. The Indiegogo has surpassed uh, $20,000 um, at this point. Trome has picked up the movie. Uh, and like I said, it just wrapped principal photography. So right now it's going to be edited and, um, the Indiegogo is still available. Uh, it's still up. You could still buy, um, you could still buy like a DVD to guarantee to see the movie before October because once, uh, it's done and it's in the hands of, uh, trauma, you, um, we like Ricky doesn't have any control of like when they're going to release it, but you know, once they do, I'm sure they're going to treat it like every other trauma movie and, you know, bring it out to the conventions. And, uh, I know trauma has a presence out in the, uh, San Diego comic-con. So, uh, that's the big boy, you know, that'd be great if, uh, it did get that exposure and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great project to, uh, to be a part of. I've been talking about it and, uh, Oh yes, we have um, we have company in the studio tonight, so I was gonna try to uh, keep my fucking voice down because <laughs> I didn't want to uh, awake him. Uh, Tony, keep going. He likes it. Oh, that's nice. I'm uh, I'm actually whispering sweet nothings to into his ear. <laughs> good stuff. It's good stuff, right? Yeah, Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate it. I just want to rest my eyes. I'm actually very interested. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. Uh, you introduced yourself before only by your first name, but you want to tell the audience who you are? Uh, Tony DeVos. Tony DeVos. Stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedian. Ice cream man. Ice cream man. Extraordinaire. Knife thrower. Distributor of knives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty sure if, uh, if you were in the uh, Staten Island area and you had the awesome uh, ice cream experience, you got a, uh, a snow cone and a uh, fucking awesome switchblade to go along with it. That's awesome. I I, I love stories of uh, of that stuff. <laughs> uh, that's all right. You know what? We, that was a joke. It was. It's not true. No, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> That's all right. I'm on the do not hire list for uh, Dairy Barn. They didn't. They didn't like my um, my my. Uh, yeah, they said if it's damaged, you can open it. So you know, it's not my fault that I spiked a fucking thing of donuts and you know, didn't pay for a pack of cigarettes for two months. You know, eventually they they caught up to me. And, you know, what am I gonna say? Oh you know, no. Yeah, all right. Fuck you and your Dairy Barn. How are you guys doing now? You know, change your name every fucking six months. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, you know what, kids? I want to move on to this right now. I, I recorded a video of myself because I'm so vain and I like just to watch myself talk and everything. So now you're going to watch a video of me talking more shit. And there's a new segment, and I hope you enjoy it, and we'll talk about it once we uh, we come back. So here we go. All right, so you, want me, you don't want to be on at the same time? No. Hey kids, what up, what up? It's your old pal Nizzy here. Um, I'm trying something new. Um, it's a little segment now that I call Unboxing Your Box. So basically, it's me opening something on film that I just got in the mail that I was looking forward to. Could be a DVD release. It could be a movie release. This week, why not kick it off where it all began? The album that changed my life turns 40 years old. So I'm going to be 46 in December. So I was about six years old when this bad boy, Shout at the Devil, was put on my radar. It was put on my radar by my older brother, Matt. So they released this jacked out box set. And it's pretty cool. So I am going to open it up right now and tell you what's inside your box. First off, has a little thing on the back, tells you all the details, what's inside, but I'm going to go through that with you. You open it up and it's cool. It's got a cool little like Ouija board kind of uh, feel going on. 
you probably can um, use the Ouija board because it comes with tools that you can. Because apparently this album may contain backward messages. Back in 1984 when this was released, um, actually in, 90, in 1983 when it was released, um, the PMRC like put this on like the most wanted list. You know, because it had violence on it, uh, supposed witchcraft, and all this other stuff. Motley Crue totally played into that. So, uh, it's got some cool, like, little lithographs. It's got a uh, wood, wooden-type pentagram thing. And it's got some, uh, some other cool art here. And a little another one for you. Very cool. Alright, now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of this bad boy. It's got the album. Awesome. Uh, there it is. I used to have a couple of copies of this. And I used to have this picture hanging up on my wall. Uh, just because they wore makeup didn't mean they can't kick your ass. That's what Vince said back in the day. One of my favorite things back in the day was always to read the liner notes, and this is kind of like the same, similar situation. Um, <laughs> one thing on here that always made me laugh, uh, it says on here, this album was recorded on Foster's Lager, Budweiser, Bombay Gin, Lots of Jack Daniels, Kahlua and Brandy, Hackers and Krell, and Wild Women, The Crew. This album is dedicated to our fans, the young and the young at heart. While I was very young when this came across. And you can imagine, much to my uh, parents' disliking for it, I used to run around and say, Krell, Krell, did not know that Krell actually meant cocaine. So, yes, they started at a young age with their debauchery and saying that that's what they were doing back in the day. So here's another vinyl that came with it. This is pretty cool. This is uh, the Shout at the Devil demos and rarities. It's got the uh, Shout at the Devil demo, Looks to Kill, Knock em Dead Kid, Too Young to Fall in Love, uh, Hotter Than Hell, which actually became Louder Than Hell that got released later on on Theater of Pain. Um, I Will Survive demo and Black Widow, which Black Widow is dope. I remember buying like a bootleg thing back in the day and uh it had that demo on it so now it's cool to get like a uh like a remastered version of it uh it's got some like oracle cards on here uh of course the devil in nikki six the sun which is vince neal the lover which is tommy lee and the magician McMars. Pretty cool. You only got four choices, I guess, to pull a card. So chances are you are going to draw a sick bastard. Pretty cool devil candle holder. So if you want to light a candle and do a seance. Haha, <laughs> this is where it all began for me, actually. It wasn't even the vinyl, it was the cassette. I remember stealing my brother's Walkman back in the day when he would put it down and listen to this. And my favorite tune back in the day on this was Bastard, just because it was called Bastard. And it reminded me of what I would be, used to get called when I was a kid. Get over here, you little bastard. What are you doing? So I used to run around screaming, Bastard, Bastard. And I loved it. Um, it's got CDs in here. For those of you who uh, still partake in that, the far and few. And like I said, it's got its little like Ouija tools, so you could uh, use that. It's got the Motley Crew and a little pentagram one on that side. Put that in my little pentagram satchel, if you will. And it's got also some 45s. Uh, looks to kill and PC your action. PC your action is on the Too Fast for Love album, and also Too Young to Fall in Love and Take Me to the Top. And Take Me to the Top, of course, is on Too Young to Fall in Love. It's pretty cool. On this one, they have the tour dates. Uh, 
Let's see. June 2nd and 3rd of 1984, they played in New York City. I'm assuming that was with Ozzy, and uh, that was at the Garden. Um, I'm pretty sure they played uh, the Coliseum, too. So maybe they played one night at the Coliseum and one night at uh, Madison Square Garden. I don't know. Um, and it's got a little bandana. And pretty cool. And... That about wraps it up for this little segment of Unboxing Your Box with the Nizza. So uh, take care, kids, and I will see you next time. Later. All right. That was awesome. You like that? I, well, I'm a, I'm a big music head, and, I, and I'm a geek with liner notes, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still And I am one of the few that still collects CDs. So that was fantastic. I'm not a big Motley Crue guy. Like, I like them, but I don't really followed them but for a box set though for a crew fan i mean that's like the ultimate yeah man. yeah absolutely it's cool cd like, cassette the vinyl the whole works yeah they, they did wow. a good job with that yeah, you know what that's like cool. right now they're about like you know reissuing their stuff and they're at that part of their career they they do their greatest hits live and stuff now and right they're just trying to uh you know they have their diehard fans that go out and buy the stuff like that and I will every time. Every time they do put something out, I'll uh, go out and get it. And uh, I was very happy. It wasn't like it was like shit put together, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. For a box set again. That that's how you do it. That's yeah, how you do a absolutely. box set. Absolutely. You know, it's something that fans do. You know, like they 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 did one for Doctor Feelgood too, and that comes in like a doctor like satchel, and it's got like you know a stethoscope, and it's got like the the tour book. And uh, all kinds of cool stuff in that, too. So they definitely, uh, the crew definitely know what they're doing, you know. They obviously, they came under the wing of, uh, so how Kiss did it. And Kiss are been doing it for years now. I actually just saw a commercial with Kiss. They're uh, promoting a pay-per-view for their final, final show on December 2nd at Madison Square Garden. I'm going to both of those. It's December 1st and December 2nd. It's going to be pretty cool. Uh, that'll be, uh, I don't know. We'll see if they stick to it. I, I Honestly, man, like, I, they're up there. And just even if I know that they talk about, like, them doing backing tracks or whatever. But, yo, they're wearing 60 pounds of fucking gear. And they're not young anymore. They're 75 years old. So just doing that, even if you just went up there and did not sing a lick or play a lick, you were still wearing fucking 70, almost, you know, 60 pounds of gear up there for a 75-year-old. I want to see my friends at a 40 go up there and do that on a fucking a daily basis. You know, they may take a break here and there, but they got a pretty uh, extensive tour. So uh, whatever, say what you will, man. But at the end of the day, they're rich and we're not. You know, now since we are speaking on the music thing, you did put something on my um, map last week, and I'd like to talk about it. Uh, it's this new Beatles song, so it's called "Now and Then." And uh, Tony, you know what? You were telling me that you're a Beatles guy. I'd love for you to like really just give the background of this. <clears throat> the background of this is um, 1979. John Lennon. Uh well, the last five years of his life, um, he was retired for a sh for most of that time, and but he was still writing songs, and he would take regular cassettes, put them in a tape recorder, and record himself. He wouldn't go into a studio or anything. He would just record him at a piano or a guitar into a cassette, and he would you know pl you know make demos of these songs that he wrote. So in 1980, he put out his last album. So some of the songs came out, but they were still. Almost an album's worth of songs that was unreleased, that, you know, were never worked on. So in 1994, Yoko gave uh, a copy of this tape to the surviving Beatles. And in 95, the Beatles, those guys got together to work on these songs. Now, the technology is not what it is today. So I, if you're a Beatle fan or a music fan, you probably remember two of the songs, did. they worked on three songs. Two of them came out. And is that like bird free as a free bird, as a bird yeah. and real love. Okay, yeah. I remember those. They came out and but you know Lennon's vocal it is it it sounds it's not great quality. The rest of it, you know the backing track and everything sounds great but it is 
there is something lacking to it because Lennon's, you know, the quality of Lennon's voice is not great. And then the third song they were working on was this, Now and Then, but they never finished it. Um, and then, uh, and then of course, Harrison died. Uh, but then, also with the Beatles, last year they... Last year, the year before, they put out that documentary on Disney the, the, called yeah. Get Back with the Let It Be Sessions. That so, was something else. I watched that. <clears throat> oh, man. That, I love that. Yeah. So Peter Jackson, who's... Um, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings fame. He he directed... He's a big Beatle nut. So he directed the Get Back thing. But what he what happened was with that, his team, they came up with, using AI technology, they came up with this thing where they can take the worst recordings... Like this Lennon thing, for example, they were able to take Lennon's voice and separate it from the piano. And they were able to, using AI technology, and make the quality almost perfect. So with this technology, they used it for get back. And so McCartney was floored. He's like, well, if you have this new technology, maybe we can take now and then and finish it. it. That yeah. was one of the reasons why they didn't finish it. They just thought the quality in this song was exception was even more crappy than the two, the other two that they released. So they just didn't they started it but they didn't finish it. But yeah, with this new technology, yeah, so Peter Jackson and his team took it and yeah, they were able to remove Lennon's piano cuz it was again, the the quality was bad plus he was playing a little out of time and the piano was out of tune a little bit, but his voice was fine so and they could work with it, you know. So the voice came out great. So McCartney went back to the sessions from the 90s, grabbed Harrison's guitar parts, but then him and Ringo added their own new parts uh, last year. Okay. So all four Beatles are on it. So, um, yeah, so so they just put it out last week. So this is going to be, you think this is it, though, as far as songs? They're saying it's the final Beatles song, which makes sense because, you know, without Harrison, you can take more Lennon demos and finish them, but... Harrison is not on it. Right. He's been dead over 20 years already. Yeah. So so maybe McCartney. Has it been that long? Yeah, 2001 he died. Holy yeah. shit. Time flies, man. It does. <clears throat> you so, know what? Like, I I was telling you this before, man. Like, I respect the hell out of the Beatles and everything. I'm not a huge fan. Um, I love certain songs. But I'm in love with this fucking song. I think it's, like, excellent. Yeah. You know? I like if it. it's going to be a final swan song. It's perfectly fitting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they did a nice job with the video. Did you see the video? I watched the video. I thought it was goofy yeah, at it's, first. It's got its goofy moments, yeah. but you know what? What the hell are they going to do? Right, but and it works because it's now and then. So they're showing Harrison and Lennon then McCartney and Star now. So it kind of works. This AI shit is crazy because you know yeah. what? I've heard in the studio that I go to to record in Center Stage Music, eighteen forty Newbridge Road. Go there. Drop my name. I'm telling you, they get Greg Gavitt, he's awesome. He does recordings. You could rehearse there. But we were sitting down one day and he was pulling stuff up where it isolates the vocals for David Bowie, Freddie Mercury. Right. And you fucking talk about getting blown away and getting chills. Holy shit. Today, my friend sent me a version of All I Want for Christmas is You, but it's sung by Freddie Mercury. <laughs> and funny. it is fucking unbelievable. Like, it sounds just like him, which is scary. Yeah. Like, not try to jump off course here, but this AI thing is really scary. And this is like, I think it was one of the main things with this SAG strike that they were talking about like yes. with the AI. Right. And it really started with Star Wars, right? That, yeah. That movie. Right. It's creepy, man, what they could do. But it... it but. Yeah, they, they're trying. They, yeah, with the strike, they're trying to get AI to write write scripts, which is very scary. But, uh, but with this, like Freddie Mercury, that's that's completely AI, like made up AI. Yeah, yeah right. Where this An alternate unit, this is real. This Part was real. real. This was just AI just to enhance the quality. Like yeah. it wasn't. They well, thank didn't. God they did it. You know, yeah, they oh, did absolutely. It right. right, right. They didn't make up. You know, they didn't bring up something to sound like Lennon. Like it's actually him. Yeah. You know, so it's. It, it's not a made-up Beatles, you know. It's it. All four of them are actually on it. You know? I've been seeing like some backlash that they're getting, but I yeah. feel like the people that are just hating on it just to hate on something, you mm-hmm. know. Yep, agreed. But you yeah, know, it's good though. I, I, like I it. love it. I think it's I think it's phenomenal, man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy that they put it out. I actually ordered. They have a um, 
They released a uh, a seven inch of it on their site, and I bought it. You know, you're a vinyl guy, huh? Yeah, I love my vinyl. Nice. Yeah, I. Uh, it started when I was a kid, man. Like I said, you know, it started with the cassettes and everything. And like my family, uh, the way that I learned music was all three of them: my brother, my mother, and my father. So my brother gave me the metal, and he gave me the hip hop. My dad with Elvis and Credence and Santana and nice. like John Sebastian, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Then my mom, she was like into like Neil Diamond and like Elton John and um, just like the, the doo-wop stuff from like the 50s and like just talk about just a whole fucking like mess of, and, of genres and like that's where I, why I am all over the place with music. Like I feel like I love everything. If it's got a good beat, I could follow it. Great. It could be the hardest fucking screaming bloody murder thing that I could be listening to. Like my shuffles on my on my phone are so bipolar that <laughs> I tell when people ask me, "Oh, who have you seen in concert?" I tell them all the time. This is my favorite thing. I've been saying this is, since I'm a kid. I've seen everyone from Slay to Sinatra, and it's true. You saw Sinatra? I saw Frank Sinatra oh, at nice. the Nassau Coliseum. Wow. Tony, ben- uh, not Tony Bennett. Um, Don Rickles opened up for him. Nice. Now oh. talk about you know. I know you're a comedy. You know you're in comedy and Don everything. Rickles is one of my favorites. There is no way that that man could do would be able to do stand up these days. Oh no way! Because I no remember way. back then, like the shit that he was saying. Oh yeah, fucking hysterical, and he did not pick on one certain person. It was the whole fucking audience. Yep. Like he ripped apart everybody, and it was it was a great thing. Now Frank, he was, you know, towards like the later part of his life. I'm trying to think what it was. It was probably like around like ninety. 91 or 92? Like, didn't he die in 93? I think, I think he died like 93 or 94. Yeah. Yeah, he played. It was the Coliseum. And I wow. wanted to see him. And the tickets went up. And I just told my parents, oh, let's go see Frank Sinatra. Nice. And like, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a show. You know, he wasn't hitting all the vocals. And he was just doing his. It was like a, a lounge show. You know, he was just like, you know. Oh, he died in 98. Wow. 98? Yeah, I didn't realize it was out. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm going to say it was probably like 92, 93 when I saw him. <clears throat> wow. But that was, uh, I'm happy that I did. You know, you oh, know, sure. Just to see him. And then it was also a, another great memory to, to see the the show with my parents. Another great show I saw with my parents. Uh, it was for their uh, anniversary. Um, I bought them tickets to uh, Elton John, but it was one stipulation. That I get to go with them, and it was their anniversary. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure, whatever, just fucking come with us. But holy shit, like, oh, he was great, dude. He played three hours, no break, and you forget how many songs that this man has. Oh yeah, like so many hits, and uh, it was it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing for for a guy just to uh, stand up there and uh, my fucking nose ring. I was gonna say, are you right there? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. You thought I was like stroking out or something? I, yeah, I wasn't sure. I was like, he's, he, first, I'm like, why is he picking his nose? And then I'm like, I don't know. Then no, I you know what happens sometimes? My my septum goes into my hoop, and like I get hooked onto it or whatever. <laughs> and I'm a sick. I gotta get it out. I can't like just let it rest. Well, yeah, I would think that's yeah, that it's sounds annoying. uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely annoying. <laughs> Imagine I die on my podcast. (laughs) Then we'll we'll get views. Hopefully, that'd be something. (laughs) Fuckers watch something, right? (laughs) All right, so uh, I'm going to play a song right now. It's uh, one of my friends. His name is uh, David HK. And, uh, dude, I always have problems with this toggle fucking thing. I just ripped it out of the thing. and I'm so fucking unprofessional. You're very violent. I'm I'm scared. No, no, that's okay. Don't worry about it, honey. I got you. I got you. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this is uh, David HK. And the man, thank you, David HK, for breaking street date. This is coming out December 1st, and I wanted to be the first one to premiere it. And he's watching, by the way. Awesome. Here you go. It's called Unsung.
Hell yeah, man. David HK ripping a cover of Helmets Unsung. Um, David, thank you so much for letting me play this on uh, Primal Scream tonight. Uh, now, uh, fans of Demon Scar out there, uh, you know, David HK is a great supporter of the band. And he also uh, has collaborated with us on uh, a few of our songs uh, with Robot Gods. He did Stella Cronita. He also did um, No Escape with us. Um, and there's a big collaboration that uh, that Spike did. Uh, that's another uh, friend of mine. We actually had him on here a couple of weeks ago. Um, zombie skater punks from out of space. Uh, it was a bunch of bands in that. Um, and, uh, David HK actually, uh, he sings a lot of it on, uh, a lot of the vocals on that song. And, um, I respect the hell out of this guy because you know what? Like, this is the type of dude that I love is because like, he reminds me of my guitarist meds. He's very reserved when he's off stage. But he's joined us on a couple of tunes, and when he comes up there, he just becomes a different animal. Like, he's got something inside him that's raging, and it's ready to rock, and he just puts everything into it. And you can hear it in this new song that he did. Um, I've always been a fan of Helmet, and uh, he does it justice. So, again, you know, that's unsung. You can follow David HK on, um, on Twitter. Uh, at David HK, look up one of his song. Uh, Look at this cat. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. He's got a cool video for it too. Um, and yeah. So again, thanks David for let me uh, break street date. I love when I do that. And it's he, so awesome. He wrote, "Thanks for the spin." Yeah, man. You're welcome, brother. Thank you for uh, let me play it on Primal Scream. Um. So yeah. Um. I have a couple of things that I have to plug, and then I'm going to put this little baby to bed. So, um, Dark Side of the Shroom, I'd like to thank them because they are the official sponsor of the Primal Scream podcast. Try Dark Side of the Shroom. It's a delicious bite-sized gummy made from the powerful mushroom called Amanita muscaria. Each shroom-powered gummy contains 500 milligrams of natural Amanita muscaria extract. No blends of product or filler. Make their mushroom gummy product. They make it with uh, time and devotion, leading to a top-of-the-line experience. So get ready to find your dark side amongst the four delicious flavors, blood orange, berry blend, blue raspberry, and watermelon. And that just sounds and tastes so much better than the stale granola shit that you wiped with your ass taste from back in the day when you tried regular mushrooms. Uh, So enjoy your trip on the dark side. 25% off. I'm going to get it right this time. Boom! 25%. Look at that. 25% off with code TRIPPYSCREAM. Tell them the Nizza sent you. And, uh... I tried this the last time. Now, anybody out there, anybody, comment, DM, slide in my DMs. Right there. Dark side of the shroom. I got to get this right. There we go. Dark side of the shroom hat. I have one more of these. Anybody want to DM me and tell me your favorite song, you get a free hat from Dark Side of the Shroom. Compliments of me. And for you being a follower and a listener of the Primal Screen Podcast. See, kids, that's what it's all about. Give back. That's what I want to do. I want to give back. Give back or whatever. Get back. Is that a Beatles song? Get back? Maybe. Right? <laughs> uh, I'd also like to thank Mr. Beeries. Mr. Beeries is another um, sponsor of the Primal Screen Podcast. Uh, Thursday nights are always open mic night, and it's one of the best open mics out there. Lots of uh, great musicians go in there to test new material. Uh, Friday, November 10th, Decades of Segression, Bang Ledefi, Bang Graves, and Alone in Condignan is are playing. Contingent? Did I, I don't even know. What is it? Contingent? <laughs> 
Alone in <laughs> Go check them out. They're playing Beeries on Friday night. On Saturday, uh, November 11th, uh, Tasty Wave. Very cool band. I actually hung out with them a couple of times at Beery's um, and caught their set once. Uh, they're going to be there with DJ Siren. Um, the Kevs, I'm sure, are going to be there. So, uh, again, if you go in there, tell them you know me, and they'll probably uh, stick you with my tab. So, uh, I also have a gig coming up with uh, the Demon Ska next week at Sinclair's, um, November 17th. It's a Friday night. It's put on by Patty Dodge. Thank you, Patty. And uh, it's going to be at Sinclair's in West Babylon. It's going to be Demon Scar. Um, Feast Your Eyes. Uh, Resist the Temptation. And Hostile Intent. Uh, check us out. It's going to be an awesome night. I believe it's free admission, too. So you can't beat that. A free show, four solid bands. Uh, and you get to hang out with me. So that's a big bonus. A big bonus perk if you will because I'm a likable guy or I'm an asshole you'll figure it out if you come and see Demon Scar next week <laughs> I don't know I, I feel like very uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm excited because you know what right after I leave here I am going to Oaks Pennsylvania uh, for the Monster Mania this week this weekend and uh, it's a great lineup uh, Alice Cooper is going to be there and uh so, yeah, Zoe's really into Alice Cooper, so I get to uh, introduce this kid, man. You know, she's she's going to be nine years old. She's already met all of Kiss. She's met Ozzy. Now she's going to meet Alice Cooper. And she's seen all these guys in concert. She hasn't seen Ozzy, but she's seen Alice Cooper and she's seen Kiss. She's going with me to the Kiss shows. She saw them last year. So, uh, yeah, I get to hang out with my kid, and uh, it's going to be great see my um, extended family. And actually today... Uh, it was a special guest that they announced uh, last minute, but uh, John Totoro is going to be there, and I, I'm a fan of John Totoro, man. Like he's uh, he's great, man. I really liked him, and uh, obviously uh, as Jesus in the Big Lebowski, and uh, the Butler and Mister Deeds. I feel like he makes that whole movie, and one of my favorite roles that he's done is Pino in Do the Right Thing. Uh, I was laughing about something that he was talking about. I'm not going to say it on here because I don't want to get canceled. If you watch Do the Right Thing, um, it's a very uh, racially political charged Spike Lee movie from the 80s. But uh, it's one of my favorites. And um, there's a great scene with him and Spike Lee. And they're talking about uh, racism and who's more racist than the other guy. And he says something that is so bigoted. But he doesn't feel like it is, and they end up telling each other to go fuck themselves, and it's a great scene. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually very excited to go uh, meet him and uh, Griffin Dunn, who's been on my list for years. Oh, He's wow. going to be there with David Norton, and they're going to have American uh, Werewolf in London. Still the best transformation in werewolf history uh, on cinema. And uh, speaking of cinema, we were talking about this just recently. The strike is over. Thank God now we uh, these people can get back to work. I know uh, one of my uh, friends, longtime friend, he uh, works on uh, a bunch of movie sets. He was out of work for five months, and uh, I know he was looking forward to it. So I'll give a shout-out to one of my old school boys from back in the day, Fran, Mike Franzese. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's getting back to work. He, uh, he always shares uh, some cool stories with me and stuff, and uh, I'm happy for him. So, kids, this has been another uh, horny edition of Primal Scream or wild edition of Primal Scream. I don't know. That's what you know. You just never know what you're going to get with me. But uh, I had a lot of fun. I hope you did. And uh, I will see you next week. Again, I'm Nick Greystone, and you're not. Later. Thank you for listening to Primal Scream. I'm Nick Greystone, a.k.a. The Nizza. Each week, Primal Scream is produced by Tony Walker and executive produced by Demon Scar. Always remember, nobody writes your story but you. Later. You can't